welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, this is Anthony Diana, and welcome back to Tech Law Talks and our M365 in 5 eDiscovery series. We are joined by Lighthouse to explore the eDiscovery issues associated with M365, and today um, we'll be talking specifically about Teams chats and some of the eDiscovery issues associated with Teams chats. Today, joining me to talk about this issue are Kyle Marks from Reed Smith, an associate Reed Smith, as well as John Holliday from Lighthouse. Welcome, guys. So let's get started. In terms of Teams chats, and I think one of the things that we we talk about when you're thinking about a Teams chat is a lot of people say this is just like Skype. It's the Skype replacement. One of the things we want to talk about is the differences between the way you may have been handling Skype and Teams chat. So one of those is the fact that Teams chats are designed to be persistent. So Kyle, what can you tell us about that in terms of how that's going to impact the way you think about e-discovery downstream with a Teams chat? Thank you, Anthony. Yes, absolutely. Persistence of Teams chats is one of the big issues. It's it's not like a Skype where those are, are going to, to disappear after a while. Teams chats may last days, weeks, months, even years, which means that you're going to mix relevant with non-relevant content, which will present e-discovery challenges downstream. Um, you know, when producing those items, are you producing the relevant items only, the entire thread, the entire thread with redactions to just the relevant items, including confidentiality, proprietary information, trade secret information? And if you do so, how do you parse those information out of the relevant thread? Yeah, no, and I think that 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 concept of a thread is going to be really interesting. I mean, I think one of the things that I find interesting, just the way I use it, and we use it here with Smith, is we often create a subject matter for a thread, which again is helpful. It sort of eliminates some of the issues that you talked about, Kyle, in terms of you know determining what the subject matter is and finding it out. So if you do it that way and your workflow is that way, that may make it easier for you because you can identify the subject matter of the thread and then you just produce the entire thread. But as you said, it's going to be very different if you're corresponding with your cohorts or external people over time, it's all going to be in one thread. So going to be very interesting and and probably a huge challenge. So John, in terms of that, like, so how do you do that, right? Each, each chat is a separate piece, right? Every time I say hello, that's one chat. Hello, back to you is another chat. So how do you deal with that from an e-discovery perspective? Right. You know, I think it's important for people to be aware just generally, just to drill in just a little bit, is that when when a chat happens, a chat message is created, the conversation is actually being copied into Exchange, right? So the, the actual chat object is going into Azure somewhere in M365, right? But a compliance record is what's created that gets stored in Exchange. And that's where I think the disconnect comes for a lot of people thinking, well, if the information is being captured, then why can't it just be directly available and the threading and all, and all should be available? But actually, because of this imperfect copy that's being placed into the into the exchange mailboxes, so for a one-on-one chat, for example, there's a there's a substrate within M365 that actually captures the message and then creates a copy as an exchange mail item 
in the user's mailboxes. And for channel messages, it's copied into group mailboxes. So when you're thinking about it from an e-discovery perspective, it's really the integrity of that substrate being able to capture the contextual information. As an example of that, reactions, for example, aren't currently captured as part of that, that copy. It's on the roadmap, but it's not quite there yet. And when you say that, so what we're saying is, we're talking about the email thread or conversation history. You know, my understanding is that like Microsoft does retain that within Microsoft. So it has some type of tag or whatever, or marker that connects all the different chats. And, and so when you're exporting it out and goes down downstream, there is a way for the vendor to show you, here's the, basically the conversation that you're having, right? To sort right. of replicate that, correct? Right, right. We call that sort of re reconstructing or, or rethreading the conversation. But there are issues related to that too, because with a conversation ID, for example, um, if someone joins the conversation later, right? the earlier parts of that conversation are not necessarily threaded directly to them because they've joined later. So if you're going after it from a conversation perspective, you might not capture all the participants. So you need some broader context. The thread concept is even too broad because then you're capturing everything, even, even if you really wanted to just focus in on a few participants. It's interesting that advanced discovery actually has a feature built into it, which does that rethreading for you so that when you're doing the review, you get the context around Yammer messages and, and thread conversations, threaded Teams conversations. If you're doing it with core, then a, a bit more work has to be done, essentially reproducing what, what, what AED is providing for you. Yeah. So, and I, my understanding is this threading concept is something you're gonna have to talk to your e-discovery vendor about. Not every vendor is gonna know exactly. about this. And obviously you have to talk to the law firms or whatever. So if you're thinking about it, this is a conversation to have. Like, how are we going to deal with threads? Not only in terms, I think, for processing, because I think you need a special tool to do it, John, but it's also in terms of review, right? Like if you have, as, as Kyle mentioned, if we have a, a three-year thread, you're not going to give a three-year thread to a reviewer necessarily. I mean, I don't know, right. but I, you'd have to come up with some special workflow with threads because it's not an email, right? And I think that's the issue. And like threads of email, you may have, you know, five, six, ten emails in a thread. But for here, we could be talking about hundreds or thousands of chats that are threaded together. So exactly. It's back to your original point, Anthony, and that is that these are not just um, streams of text, right? They're discrete objects that are linked one to the other. Yeah. And then the, the other complexity, Kyle, is the challenge of it's not just text, right? There's other things that are part of these Teams chats that Microsoft threw in there. Absolutely, Anthony. And what you're referring to there are the, the functions, uh, which are much more prolific in Teams chats than in a lot of the other chatting engines we've seen. Those include things like emojis, praise, memes, stickers, giphies, even important and urgent flags that really will affect the downstream review and appearance. And if those become important in litigation, which they have shown to be already, the interpretation and how those appear downstream during the review will be crucial. So some of these have been shown as, you know, attachments to the text or described in text in line or even just popping up in the chat itself. So this will again gain more importance the more it's used and we've seen it use increasing dramatically. Yeah, and again, I think this is another thing you're going to have to talk to the vendor and the law firm and whoever's doing the review to figure this out because like as you said, some of these are, you know, basically 
translated, like the emoji could be translated into smiley face. So if you're searching for smiley face, you could find it, but otherwise your search terms are not going to work on this. And as you said, you're going to have to teach or train people how to interpret this. Like there's a thumbs up, a thumbs down. How do you interpret each of these different emojis or giffies or memes? And as we said, some of them aren't necessarily indexed. So there's a lot there to unpack and you best be talking to everybody and coordinate a strategy because you don't want to just start throwing it over and sending it to the other side without really understanding the process you had to get there. So thanks guys. This was really helpful. Thanks everybody for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this and welcome back. We've got a lot more in this series to come your way. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com. And our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.